0: You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas.
1: Some exciting news. I built an app. I know, right? Crazy. It's called the One-on-One app, where we help you become 1% better together. It's an app that helps you break down your goals, achieving your habits in incremental steps, and it helps you celebrate your progress and your momentum with streaks, check-ins, milestones. And with our multidimensional approach to a balanced lifestyle, we really help you become 1% better together. So go download it, it's a free app. It'll be linked below. It's only for iOS right now. We're working on getting it in Google Play, but I really believe that this is a -a one-of-a-kind mental health and wellness app that is truly groundbreaking. To give you some like perspective, it's like Noom but for habit building. And I'm really excited to share this with you and I'm really excited to get your feedback. So, if you download it, you enjoy it, leave us a review. Thank you so much and on to the episode. Ariel, how are you? Thanks for joining us today.
0: Yes, thank you so much. Doing well. Just ready for the weekend.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were just, I was just talking to Ariel about how this has been the fastest, slowest week. There's been a lot going on, ready to hit the weekend, but I'm super excited to talk with you because you just released a book.
0: We did. It's true.
1: Tell us about the name of the book. Tell us about it. How's it gone? Tell us also where we can find it.
0: Yeah. So the book is called Your Space Made Simple. It's basically a recipe guide for your home. So instead of cooking ingredients, they're livable ones. So basically every single room in your space, you could put together really easily with a book. So if you have a bedroom, it would have all the quote unquote ingredients and a list of basically all the items and how to do it with illustrations and visuals and like all the inspiration you ever needed (laughs) for your home basically trying to make interior design accessible for everybody because that's how it should be, to be honest with you.
1: (laughs) I love that. And I always look at like, for example, my office is something I've always looked at, like how to make it more functional, fun. And I was even just looking on your website and getting so much ideas. So the fact that you made it like visual and easy to digest is super important. But most importantly, I want to learn more about your journey. Like, how did you get here? How did you get into design? Like,
0: Oh, this is a wild story.
1: <laughs> yeah, let me hear. I want I want to hear it because I just a little bit of background about the platform. A big thing we talk about is just like how people get started because I think that's oftentimes what's left out. So as I was looking at this, I was like, how did she get to be in this space, especially being in the Bay Area, which is ultra competitive? Tell us about your journey a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah, it's been a wild one. Well, I am actually, crazy enough, a Bay Area native. That is like a very rare <laughs> thing. Yeah. Same. <laughs> yes, it's where it's at. Actually, I'm a third generation Bay Area, which is really cool. So my journey started right out of high school. I was like going to do the four year typical degree thing. Went to University of Arizona. That it was the worst experience of my life. I felt like totally crushed and defeated. I was like, I need, I need to be an artist, and I was just like. I felt like school was too easy. I was just like, challenge me a little bit. I need some like drawing class or something. I had followed the like, you know, psychology path. I was studying behavioral sciences. I was doing something not me. (laughs) And so I dropped out and I moved home and I was like, I'm just going to go to art school. We're going to see where this is going to take me. And I started studying fine arts and I had this professor who was like, you're really good in this area. You should take my interior architecture class. I think you would do so well. I was like okay let me see how this goes i don't know took the class fell in love changed my major decided to do interior architecture and design graduated in 2017 as valedictorian what a full circle moment it was crazy and then uh, graduated i worked in lovely corporate america that killed my soul <laughs> <laughs> it was it was yeah. awful
1: we talk about corporate quitting quite a bit on this podcast
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, it was worth it. Best decision I ever made. <laughs> but um, I was designing like offices, hospitality, so like hotels and retail for like Fortune 500 companies. I mean, I did Salesforce Tower in the city, Gap, Old Navy, like these massive corporations, uh, Google. And doing their office spaces, which is like that was such a thing pre-pandemic, if you really think about it, these like startup offices in the bay, like Silicon Valley's where it was all happening. It's like the slides in the office and these like hidden bars. Like that's what I would do. And then I totally switched boats. I started working at like a startup, like a WeWork competitor, and learned how to do really fast paced design. I mean, we were designing it was like six million square feet in nine months. It was just like ridiculous wow. amounts of like I can't even like,
1: conceptualize that. Like no, that's massive. You can't.
0: It's like entire buildings, just like designing, furnishing them, branding them for these crazy companies. I mean, it's just wild working in startups, working at a startup and working for people who work at a startup. Just I learned so much. And then the pandemic happened. (laughs) And I was like, well, no one's going to the office. No one's booking a hotel. So let's uh, pivot this. I was working at home and I decided to make a crazy decision and I ended up working two jobs. No regrets, but I don't recommend that.
1: Overemployed.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm very like lucky that that had happened to me because so many people were just out of jobs, especially in the design industry at that point, aside from residential that was like exploding. And I had always worked in commercial spaces doing the office retail situation. And so I was like, let me just give this residential thing a shot. Let's just see how it goes worked as a contractor with a second job. And then my fiance was like, you got to make a TikTok. And I was like, hell no, I'm not doing that. I'm not showing my face on the internet.
1: <laughs> Pandemic and TikTok, I feel like, just are just like a match yeah. made in heaven.
0: <laughs> oh my, I know it really was. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And he begged me. I think it was like nine months. He was like, just make one, just make one. First one, 20,000 views. It was crazy. It was the most wild thing. And at that point, I was still working two jobs. So, like, people at that point thought I was like this established designer, which I guess in some case, like, I was. I had a name, but like nobody knew it. (laughs) And then made this TikTok. It did really well. And like six months later, I had a full blown business with like services and an employee and was like getting my own income. It was so crazy. And like, I am in the middle of all startups. So, like, I just took all the knowledge I had possible and just ran with it. And then two years later, we're opening a retail space. We have a a nice social media following. Love all of the people. (laughs) And now the book. So it's just like completely full circle. It's absolutely wild. If you asked me three years ago, if I would be here, I would have absolutely laughed in your face. I would have been like, no way.
1: That's kind of the reason why I love to keep an open mind when you you talk about like goal setting, things like that, because we really have a hard time imagining kind of where we can be. And I want to really talk more about this because this has been a theme and even my own PR manager has been talking to me about this is like, how do you articulate leveraging your experience at a startup, right, with converting that into owning your own business? Because while we've done it, it's something that is really, really difficult. So like, what are some of the key learnings or some of the just key moments? I just, I really want to like take a look inside and see kind of what that was like and what you were going through, like good and bad
0: yeah I mean all the things that's such a loaded question. I think living in the bay, growing up in the bay, like my dad is a has one of the first degrees in computer programming. like that did not exist in the 70s. So like to be all the way here, like it's already been ingrained in me. like my dad ran a startup, owns a company, like was jumping companies like just what we see people doing now he was doing. So I've always been around it. So you know, for that, it's like, it's just part of me. And like the culture here and then working in it, it was such a blast. Like as much as it was corporate America, it was such a blast. I learned so much about culture and how people communicate and being fast paced and just taking the risk. Like I think in startups in the Bay, (laughs) everybody's a risk taker. You have to be, it's like, you have to be able to take the risk and just say, oops, it didn't work. Let me try something else. I mean, the amount of like founders that i had met that it was their sixth their seventh startup that they were like oh yeah and, and i didn't think this one was gonna work but it did i mean like you know we're talking about like mark benioff or something like that like these guys who just went with an idea and it worked and like i think that's half the battle is just like telling yourself you can do it i oftentimes there's like a the little voice in your head you know that tells you you can't i've named her her name's kathleen i'm sorry to anybody named <laughs> kathleen but like mm, i yeah. just call her mine's name is kevin so kevin.
1: i have the same thing mm-hmm. kevin yeah. yeah Goddamn kevin, kevin. and
0: kathleen <laughs> i know kill me <laughs> but like i swear some days that voice is really loud and it's just like volume one thousand percent and other days she's quiet so like it's it's learning to listen and learning to shut her up, you know, like that's the battle.
1: That's been this week. Kevin's been on one. Like I don't know if oh, Kevin hasn't been outside like a little slap bit. Slap him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that there's like people doing this because I it it just yeah. helps shine a spotlight and compartmentalize what you want, who does. you are, your value with like your fear.
0: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I'll be honest. I think you know, I'm able to talk about startup culture and so much of it post-therapy I think that's half of the battle too is like loads of therapy just being able to identify emotionally what has happened
1: (laughs) absolutely I just really jive with you because I you said third generation Bay Area and I was like I guess I am too
0: it's so cool
1: my mom and her mom are from Germany actually came to San Francisco my dad has and dads dad have been in Oakland their whole life. And so I jive with you. I grew up kind of going between Oakland and Mountain View. I went to St. Francis High School. Like I would go to Chipotle and Steve Jobs would be walking down the street it's to Chipotle. It's such a and,
0: norm for us. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, and I was with a friend talking about this, like how these barrier kids, most of us are in tech or most of us are in startups because like you said, it was just ingrained but at the time it wasn't something like that I was actively thinking about. My dad and your dad are very similar, where my dad used to always say, Don't work for anyone. And my mom was very much like a corporate person, but she killed it in corporate. She's a lawyer, like she did a great job. So like merging those two, it's really refreshing to like know I find I'm finding my people through this podcast. And like the fact that you're like describing such similar but different outcomes is amazing. So after the pandemic, like you wake up, you're the boss. Like Can you take us through a a day in a life of like, what's that like?
0: Oh, I, some days are good. Some days are bad. You know, like every day is different, which I appreciate about it. I think like no day is the same, which so many people say that about their job. But like, you know, when I was working in in corporate America, I felt like I was doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over. And I got bored and like, I have 80. Focus on one thing.
1: Focus on one thing. Become really good at one thing. Like, no, No, that's not how my brain works.
0: No, I have like mm-hmm. 25 hobbies, like too many. You know, like I need lots <laughs> <Yeah>. of things. <laughs> I'm like the person who's like change things up, like I need something different. I'm constantly craving that. So, I think waking up doing it. Some days it's shocking. I'm like, "Oh, I am the boss." And other days, I'm like, "Hell yes, of course I'm the boss. Like listen to me." <laughs> so, it's it's weird, and it can be kind of uncomfortable, too. I feel like you know, a lot of my friends who don't do what I do or don't own a business and work for somebody else or just starting out, it can be kind of unrelatable. I think people from the outside looking in are like, how do you do that? You're over here on the other side. Like, how can I ever get there? And it's like, just try. Cause even if it doesn't work out, at least you tried. Like, I don't think you're going to be on your deathbed being like, Oh, I tried to make a company and it didn't work. Like, no, it'll probably work. Like you just got to give it, you got to do it. And that's half of it. I think it's waking up and just trying your best.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And I think that's where I think a lot of people struggle is like, I even myself, have struggled here with like writing this ledger of like what it should look like instead of letting it go. Oh, I hate and, that
0: word. I hate mm, that word. Yeah. Should stop it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Like no, hundred oh percent. And I think that's the biggest thing was like just letting go and believing in your abilities and knowing it's taking you somewhere better. I really empathize with those people too, who want to be their own boss, but are still kind of finding their way. I've always, you know, while I have the Unstuck platform, you know, I'm the CPO at Heart First Hundred K. I am also a product advisor at One and One. I've always and came to terms with the fact that I love supporting the lead person. You know, I definitely like being the lead person as well, but I've found this really interesting balance where like, You can do both. I think at some point there'll be a reckoning. And I think, like, that is time will tell on that. But I really hear what you're saying because me being in that zone, I surround myself with people that aren't business owners and are business owners. And it's you're so right. It's like we talk completely different languages. And so I'm always the person in the middle, which like talent, etc., that can understand both languages and kind of connect the two, which is very interesting. But I love that you said it that way because it's true. It's very unrelatable. Like waking up and being your own boss, everyone's used to waking up and complaining about their boss. So it's really hard to find your space there.
0: Oh, it is, especially as a female. I think like, you know, I could complain about this for days and days. And I feel like so many other women out there and just people in general, like it's, it's so hard to be on the other side. Cause like you glorify it. I think people are like, Oh my God, you did this thing. You accomplished this, you accomplished that. I'm like, I'm not my goals or my achievements. Like I'm so much more than that. And so at some point it can like pigeonhole you, which is like a little bit scary. Like, I'm like, no, I can do more. Like I'm more than this, (laughs) you know, like there's more.
1: It's so true. And this conversation couldn't have come at a better time. I was speaking with my really great friend, Tiff, who's also like I mentioned my PR person. And we were talking at length about this. And I had a conversation with a really successful founder. And this person was like, you know, I built this huge successful brand, but I wake up and realize I technically still have bosses it's my community, it's my partnerships with corporations. And you start to understand that like in a capitalistic society, like there's always a boss. So I have this like epiphany, which I've had before, but you know, when you've had like a realization, but then when the realization actually hits you and you understand it, impact, impact, impact is the thing you'll think about on your deathbed, whether that's with your family or with your community. So I want to pivot back into kind of the art of sustainable living and like the impact there. Like when you wake up, like what is the impact you're looking to make? Like what is your goal in terms of like making impact in this space?
0: I think it's just changing the reference and the point that we talk about design. Because I think interior design, you hear the words and you're like, yeah, that's for like a one percenter. Like I can't afford that. Like, oh, yeah, think about someone just coming in and
1: humming and hawing in my room, like change this, change this, change, change that, this.
0: Like, <laughs> like, no, it's so not that. It's so not that. And it's like breaking down that barrier because I feel like, you know, when I was working in these amazing spaces, I mean, you're talking about like spending five, 10, $25,000 on a chair, just one chair, you know? And so I go home and I'm like, I can't even afford CB2 half day. You know what I mean? Like, i like, it's so frustrating where you're like, love it too. But like, it's frustrating when you, when you're a chef and you can't afford your ingredients. Like that's how it feels. It's so personally insulting. And I think so many designers feel that. And then on the opposite end, working as a designer, surrounding myself with designers is like, but how do our clients get this? Like it's meant for a certain group of people. And I don't like that. Like, why can it not be for everybody? Like everybody totally deserves to feel at home in their space, whatever that means to them. Like that can be, you know, spending $400,000 on your home on the inside only and that I'm happy for you will do it. But it's also, I'm going to spend 50 bucks at a thrift store and I'm going to like reupholster this chair and I'm going to make new purpose of it. Or like I have some of my grandma's furniture. Like it doesn't have to be this whole HGTV thing either. Like there's some middle ground for everybody. Like You can get caught up in it and it's expensive and it's (laughs) frustrating. And I think, you know, any new homeowner would tell you this, but you buy a house, you get there and you have no more money to fill it. And you're like, well, what was all of this for? It's so infuriating, the cycle. And like, how do you create a space that you truly feel at home? And that's something unique and different to everybody. Like, you live in a unique way to only you, like, nobody else will live your life. And how do you understand that? Understand your behavior, break it down and change space with it. So, and then do it financially <laughs> with the money aspect and balance it because you're investing in yourself. I tell people this all the time. I'm like, this is self care, like being able to have a place that you're like, ah, oh, I can relax or I can focus or I can entertain. If you have that, you're a completely different person. Like you are 180, then you can do everything you want to do. Like I always say, I could not have started. This business, if I didn't have the space to support it, if I didn't have, you know, the home that I'm so grateful for that we built together or like did all of these things to give me that safe space, it's so hard. You can't heal in a space like that. You can't create something new that doesn't be conducive to it. So it's wild.
1: (laughs) That's such an important thing. And I think also that's a, a place where a lot of people get stuck is like their environment is huge. And that was, I think, one of the biggest things my wife does for me is creating space. I mean, even down to like when we were purchasing a home and being like, you need an office that's curated and in a way that will allow you to function throughout a day. And like at the time, I wasn't focused on that. I was focused on like figuring out Mm -hmm. what looking into this abyss looked like and what solving this big problem looked like. But when I had the space, (laughs) it, it made me feel immediately better. So what are some ways in design that like you often see misstep of when people attempt to create a space for themselves. I think you mentioned like cost being a barrier. Are there any other barriers that you see that you're trying to break through?
0: Yes. hundred. I mean, there's so many. I think growth mindset is the number one thing to sustainability that people don't think about. It's like the long term. Like I know, and this probably happened to you when you moved into a space or have your office space. You're like, I need this desk now because I need somewhere to work. Well, yeah, that makes sense. But there are things that you can invest in and have for 10, 15, 20, 25, 35, 40 years. And like, why are we not thinking about that? Because I have nothing against IKEA. That's meant for a group of people who it's filling a gap. Like, people need to afford furniture. Yes. Can we get more sustainable? Yes. But if you're spending $150 on a coffee table five times, why not save that money, invest in something you really like and are really happy with and it functions and you can move it over and over and over? That's way more sustainable than adding to the landfill. I mean, there's crazy statistics like the 9 million tons of furniture in our landfills right now was created in the past like 10 years. Like, that is so screwed up. That is sad. It's the stats on it are terrible. And it's like one of the biggest contributors to global warming, to all of these things. So, it's so hard to get caught up because you immediately feel responsible where you're like, Oh me as a person, I have to stop using plastic. I can't use straws. Like all of yeah, these things, yeah, totally, totally, which like that helps, but we also have to hold these big companies and corporations responsible because they're the ones creating the problem and not solving it. And so if we hold people accountable for it, you'll see more change. And I think it's so hard. Like I'm an advocate for sustainability in our planet, but like, I'm not going to shame you. I also use plastic bags. Like yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, it's like I use a Ziploc bag. Like not everybody's perfect. I think it's like the long-term mindset. Like how can I make these improvements slowly over time? So it's not a 180 on your life. Like you're like, oh, I want to be super fit today. You know, I want to have abs tomorrow. Like it's not going to happen overnight. Like you have to make these small shifts and changes in space and your mindset. Like that is all about sustainability and wellness.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the reason I'm here is just creating that space, Uh, you know, no pun intended, but it's so true, like, On this micro level, that's where big change happens in the bigger picture. And I think people forget that. I think when people think about fighting corporations, they think about pitchforks (laughs) and protests, which there's a there's room for that. But I think the biggest impact (laughs) is individuals getting up and defining what the future looks like. And that is a huge realm and, and the places that that's where I'm looking to make impact is getting people just started on their journey. Like your journey, my journey started identical. It was creating a two-minute TikTok that was terrible. But I said, you know what, I'm going to make 30 videos and this business, I'm going to stick with it for two years. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know where it's going to take me. And one year, it completely changed my life. And so by creating the space and we created that space, right, like we were able to really thrive. People listening to this, right, there's kind of two listeners or folks that are business owners, but they're also the biggest majority are folks who are kind of like shaming themselves because they're like I'm not a business owner I'm not quitting my corporate job because I'm not disciplined enough like I don't have the discipline to do these things. How do you s- stay sustained because you're working not only you're working with both sides of your brain you're working in creativity and then there's this business aspect which going between the two is sometimes a lot. So how do you manage that? I know you said you just kind of do your best but I want to get into the minutiae of like what does that look like like what does your best day look like? What does your worst day look like?
0: My best day. Ooh, I feel like today's a good day. So we'll just go into it. I mean Okay, love it, love it. (laughs) I'm not a person who like sits there and journals and like thinks about my aspirations and like does all this stuff. Like I have my goals, I have my things, but I think really each day is about intention setting. I will be honest, if I wake up and I set my intention and I'm very serious about it, if I really pay attention, I want this outcome out of the day, that's a non-tangible thing. Like I just want to have a really happy day or I want to feel joy or I want to feel sad. I don't know. Whatever my things are, like feeling wise, emotions, if I set that intention through my day, I have such good days because it's not about the goals I'm achieving. It's not about any of the end results. It's just like how I feel. That is a good day for me. There are plenty of challenges in those days too. But if I can come out of every day and be like, Oh, I accomplished X or I did X. I'm like, eh, forget it. I just how do I On the bad days, I don't set my intentions. And Kathleen's voice, she is loud. (laughs) So it's balancing the brain. I think, like, if you really are able to turn that volume down, the voice that says you can't do it, you're not good enough, you're too slow, you should, you shaming yourself for just being who you are. If you can just like turn that volume down and just push through it, like, Even if it's five minutes a day, like I think when I started my business, I was like, "Let me just make a logo. Let me just like make a website for twenty minutes. Like, just start, and you'll be so amazed with where you end up." But you have to be able to turn the volume down. And everybody's different to get into that deep focus mindset, but you have to figure it out to do it.
1: No, I love that. I think that's that's so important. And so many folks. I, I just I got just got done on like a mini press tour. We were doing events and. Every question I got was like, well, I don't feel ready. I don't feel like I know enough to do these things.
0: You'll never feel ready. Never. You'll never have the feeling of like, I'm ready today on this Tuesday. No, I never have that feeling. I wasn't like, today's the day I'm going to be successful. No, like that's not (laughs) a thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's, and I'm so happy you said that because it seems like such a moot point, but it's the thing that I hear constantly so i I just hope that by repetition and volume of different people saying it that it'll click i can't tell you how much feedback i always get where like on this episode i decided to go make that shitty tiktok or on this episode like you said i decided to go make that website
0: yes i mean like it's just about starting that's half the battle is like just do it and you can give up i mean i probably had like five business ideas this is one of them and i'll have more it's just like can you start
1: yeah my last thing that I want to talk about which is something that's very front of mind and something that it's feels like it ebbs and flows is delegating. I think that was another area that I still struggle with. Even with it's so funny even with my executive assistant who does my social media, she's always just like, "Khalil, let me handle it." Where I'm just like, "Let me step in, let me look over your shoulder." How do you approach delegation and where do you struggle or where do you find synergy with delegation?
0: Yeah. You will never trust anyone else unless you trust yourself. I think, you know, for me with my team, I feel like I have worked so hard to build them up and grow their skills and watch them define their own role, which is such a different way of running a business. I think when people stepped into the company and started helping out with social media or design or, you know, our account manager or whatever they're doing, I immediately asked them like what do you actually want to be doing because you know sending emails and doing social media posts are great but like is that what you're fulfilled by because if it's not how do we grow your role so the more like growth and opportunity I was able to give to each individual on the team as an individual and as a team the more they grew the more I trusted them so it's just giving somebody the ability to blossom and then delegate I think it's it's difficult for people to delegate when you have this thought or feeling in your head that they're not going to be as good as you are, which the fact is that's probably true. Like no one will be able to do what you do. That's why you need a team to support you and help you, but it goes both ways. You can't expect everybody to perform at a level that you are or have the investment in the company that you have. So if you set that expectation kind of low, which is a weird mentality because normally you're like, I want to set my expectations very high. High.
1: Yeah. No, (laughs) it's so true.
0: Yeah. I think you would be surprised what people come up with, the more freedom and the more creativity that they have. And like, you know, as a designer, so much of what we do is feedback oriented. Oh, I don't like this chair. I don't like this and not being able to take it personally, but just like, let's change it for the better. Let's push each other to be better. I even let our team critique me too. I'm like, how are we doing? How do you think this is? Or what are your thoughts on that? Can we make improvements? So it's trust. It's 100% trust. in delegating, you just got to try it. I think it won't work the first time. It probably won't work the 50th time. It's the 52nd time that you're like, that worked. And I saved 10 hours. Like, thank you so much. And you become grateful and you rely on that person to do that. So, But you have to create space and time for it.
1: Such a wonderful answer. And cultivating talent is always my number one pillar of identifying not only leaders I want to work with, but also just like friendships because the same kind of methodology goes into that. So I really appreciate that answer. Ariel, is there anything else that we maybe didn't talk about today that you want to talk about?
0: No, I think you all got to go get your space made simple because it's going to change your life.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's so many goodies in there about like sustainability and wellness not only like how to put a space together, but also how to emotionally fulfill that and plan for something in that long-term mindset, creating something that is a direct reflection of who you are. Because if your space looks like Pinterest, I'm 100% judging you. It should look like your space, <laughs> not someone else's. Love it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I have a project that I have put, redo my office by the end of this quarter. I'm going to get your book and I'm going to send you before and after pictures. That's how I'm hold myself accountable. I'm so proud of you. Keep killing it. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for joining us today.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok at unstuck.